This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. This is your, uh, we'll call it your, your most fun Ohio State podcast. I don't know how many, I know there's a lot of them out there. I don't know how many of them out there uh, crack beers and, and talk Buckeyes the way we do. We try and do it a little differently here. I am here in New York City, Patrick Murray from Bucknuts and 247 Sports. We're here to cover the Heisman Trophy celebration this weekend. We'll really dive into that in this podcast. We're going to talk some college football playoff. We should have Bill Kerlick on in the second half of the show to talk some Buckeye recruiting. Obviously, the early signing period coming up here. But uh, let's dive into to Buckeyes and uh, what's been the latest with the Buckeyes. And to do that, we're going to bring in our, our our regular attender of the Bucknuts Happy Hour, Timmy Hall from 97.1 The Fan. Tim, thanks for joining us again. What you got there? Oh, Hello. Sorry, just caught me mid-sip there, Patrick. I was just enjoying a little 3 o'clock happy hour here for the Buckeye happy hour. We've got a rogue hazelnut brown nectar. You'll be pleased to know that I also had my first winter ale of the season today. So checked it off the list. And of course, it's the traditional, it's the goat of Christmas beers, the Great Lakes Christmas ale. So, and I had it on draft too. And Ooh. I had it at a golf club. I didn't take the sticks, but just to have an off day, you're welcome for doing this on an off day too. I even recorded my one of my own podcasts. It didn't really feel like an off day, but I did get to go and sit there and have lunch at a golf club and have a, a Great Lakes Christmas ale on draft. So it was unbelievable. There were people out there playing. I would have, I would have. I think 45 to 50 degrees with low winds. Perfect temps to get out there and swing them, man. Sure, why not? I mean, I don't know much about golf, but that's uh, that sounds good to me. I uh, we got here. I had to hurry, change in the hotel room, and get down to the Heisman Trophy in candidate interviews. And so I sent Sarah, my girlfriend, to buy beer. She got a Brooklyn Brewery uh, Winter IPA, so I think she's good. very excited being in New York. Yeah. Um, good. I don't know if I've ever opened one on camera here before, but I did it today. Actually, I think I did once when we were in Chicago. So you're staying local. You got the Brooklyn yeah. Brewing Company. I've had a couple of theirs. I think I've had their Golden Lager or whatever their summertime ale is. That's a pretty good That's a pretty good play. That's good. I like it. I mean, you, you go and visit a city. You're in New York. Try to do do like the New Yorkers do. And yeah, I, well, I appreciate it. That. And it is pretty good. I'll give Sarah credit on this one. So uh, if she decides to listen to this, 
she will uh, she will hear that she was brought up. Sometimes she listens, sometimes she doesn't. I can't really control what she does. But speaking of things out of our control, let's talk about this Heisman Trophy race or uh, this Heisman Trophy announcement that'll come on Saturday. We're recording this on Friday afternoon. I just talked with three of the four. I did not make it to Max Duggan, but I did talk to C.J. Stroud. I did talk to Caleb Williams. I did talk to Stetson Bennett. Um, Timmy, first, well, real quick, walking off the elevator here, and this is part of the reason I like to come to this. This is only my second time, but uh, walking off the elevator here, the old ball coach was getting on the elevator. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I oh, the elevator opened. I was like, that looks really familiar. And then as the elevator closed, I was like, oh, that's Steve Spurrier. So, a lot of people in town for the Heisman, I imagine. Um, but anyway, how is we talked Spurrier. How, hold on. How is Spurrier in an elevator? Does he talk too much? <laughs> I mean, uh, I was, you expect the elevator to be a little off. bit faster. I was getting off and he was getting on, but he did say to no one in particular as he got on an empty elevator, going up and then the doors closed. And it was really the voice. That's when I put two and two together that like, oh yeah, that's why I recognize him. Tim May is the college football writer version of Steve Spurrier, our colleague oh, Tim May. Is that a good is that a good comparison? Just sort of the cadence, their accents, just sort of what all they're giving out, what all they're putting out. Like we way more than you would ever need, right? Like you could Tim, it's like God, we love you, man. But like he could he could stop after like his third thought and we'd have just so we'd be filled with so much information. I love I love Tim May, by the way. I, I, that's a compliment because Steve Spurrier is a uh, iconic college football coach. I I still will never forget, you know, it's, I, I don't know, Patrick, you cover Buckeye basketball like I do, and it's it's neat in that sport and that you'll get a few more opportunities throughout the season to see some visitors come in. It's obviously, it's way more games than in a football season. So like when Syracuse came to town, I wanted to make sure that I had a credential for that just so I could be in the post-game press conference room to hear a guy like Jim Beheim speak and just, yeah, just kind of sure. see what he's like. It, I had seen him before just in covering some ACC hoops, but it had been a while. And when Coach K comes over, coaches like that. So I take you back to when I was I was younger in the biz and I was covering a game in South Carolina when the old ball coach was there. And that was that was neat. Got like an overnight stay. We did a bunch of coverage around a game. It was actually Russell Wilson's first ever college football game. It was NC State nice. at, at South Carolina. I will never forget just how Steve Spurrier just carried the room and almost like a comedian that was working a set, right? But this is something that he, he could do in his sleep. He had done 6,000 of these in his career. And the, the, the story of that game was NC state was so bad. And of course, Russell turned out. Okay. They didn't even cross midfield. I don't think until the fourth quarter and it was 31 to nothing. It was just, it was just a joke of a game and Spurrier almost couldn't help himself. I'll, I'll remember him saying, you know, to answering a question like coach, like, you know, how do you, uh, you know, story this game, you know, first game of the season, how do you think you did, you know, shut out when, but did you get everything you want? He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, well, uh, and we, uh, you know, we're gonna have some things work on me. Let's, uh, let's be honest about it. They're not too good over there. So, uh, you know, they got, they got a long way to go, but, uh, you know, holding them to zero points, pretty good, but, uh, offense gonna have to pick it up a little bit more and uh, a, lot, a lot of third downs we missed. Just the fact that he kind of nonchalantly threw out there, they're not too good. <laughs> no one really stopped on the fact that the coach just said, yeah, those guys, not too good right now. So we should beat them. 
everybody's so complimentary and has to be so respectful to the opponent. Spurrier was really not that way, but because of the way he talks and the way he is, nobody even picked up on it. Nobody noticed it. So we just did an entire podcast on Steve Spurrier. There we go. You got to love those. It's it's like your grandpa or somebody who like says the wrong thing at, at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever holiday, but no one mentions it because it's the old guy in the room. So you just let him talk, right? You just let him say whatever needs to be said in his mind. Well, he's allowed which, He's allowed to because he's won the Heisman and he's won a national yeah. championship. And we're trying, we're trying to get Ryan Day to that spot. So Ryan Day can sit around any table he's at and he could just, he could talk and talk and talk and nobody could ever shut him up. I don't think Ryan Day's winning a Heisman. I don't think at this point in his, his, no, career, but I'll, I'll go for a national championship. Well, I'll that, go for that. That would be a good, yeah, I think he would too. Um, CJ Stroud is a guy who could win the Heisman, though I don't he, think either of us, well, I mean, he's here, so he can, but yeah, I don't think, I guess, of us, sort of, yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, look, let's be real here. I think everyone expects Caleb Williams to walk away with this award. I tweeted out two weeks ago when he was balling during the USC, USC UCLA yeah. game that, you know, I think he, he pretty much. Locked it up then, and then you know CJ had a good game against Michigan until throwing those late picks. But I don't think it was enough to put him over what Caleb Williams did, even in an injured loss in the Pac-12 championship game. I mean, he still looked impressive, and if you look at the numbers, they're pretty good too. So right. if, if you didn't even watch the game and you're a Heisman voter, how big of a deal is it? You know, CJ Stroud's the first guy in Ohio State history to be invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony back-to-back year. Two years, yeah, which is insane because they have the only two-time winner, but I learned this year that they didn't used to have a ceremony and they didn't, or they didn't used to have multiple finalists. So in your mind, just how big of a deal is that for Ohio State and C.J. Stroud? But the fact that he's probably going to lose both years, you know, how, how do you kind of evaluate this? Because this is the end. You know, it's not like last year where we were talking about, okay, C.J. could be back next year and win the whole thing he's going to the nfl we know that even right. if he hasn't said it so so how do you kind of evaluate the fact that yes he's been here twice to new york but he, he is more than likely going to not win either time yeah i mean i certainly think that the program is still going in the right direction and ohio state continues to solidify itself now under ryan day and the way that he runs his offense that he can pick quarterbacks and he can get them up to speed quickly, whether they're sitting for a year or two behind somebody else. And then when they take over as QB1, these guys are some of the best quarterbacks in college football. The last thing that they've got to prove is that they happen to be the best overall player in college football in a given year, as decided by the voters. And we know it it all comes down to the voters. And just because you win the Heisman doesn't necessarily mean everyone agrees you're the best college football player. We know there's politics that go into every single award that gets doled out there. I can I can remember us seeing Sean Wade after, and we, we wouldn't deny it, had a very suspect season and still wound up as the, a first-team All-Big Ten cornerback. And we all had yeah. eyes and saw how that year went. It was kind of reminiscent of what Denzel Burke put out there this season. But it's... You can't say that this is a bad thing, man. I mean, we, yeah, he's not going to win. Okay, that it's hard to win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you've got to be. Does it? Yeah, you, you've got to be 
one of the more perfect players from start to finish. And while it's a little disappointing in that this college football season did sort of open open itself up to even more so have a guy like C.J. Stroud win. I mean, if you listen to me early on in the season, I was completely on board. I mean, I would have bet close to the house that C.J. Stroud was winning this award and nobody else. And you look at the numbers of the other guys in the race, it's, it is a little bit disappointing and deflating that CJ's not going to win it, that Stroud in the stats department took a step back. And I guess, you know, when it's all said and done, he didn't take as big of a step forward from last year to this year as I would have liked. He kept it while his numbers went down. I still think he kept it pretty much on an even plane. They lost one less game, you know, you know, the Oregon game was right at the beginning of his run. And I know he was dealing with a little bit of an injury. So you want to like allow a grace period for that for an early season loss. And it was against a, a a pretty good opponent at the time with the Ducks. But it's it's disappointing. But it, overall, like it still shows that the guy that's at the helm of this offense here is going to be in a really good position and they're being developed. And also the guys that are being selected to to quarterback this offense are very, very good recruits, four and five star talents. And I think that's a, that's overall a positive thing. So it's always something that you can cycle back into recruiting. And it's, it's just like putting it on the poster board for, you know, the next guy. And I think maybe the more interesting discussion, Pat, besides the question of, you know, how do you look at that two straight Heisman finalists for your QB is what's coming next and yeah. you yeah, really yeah. have to go. You really have to go back a long way for the last quarterback dud, and however you would quantify that, or however you would define that. But you know, plain and simply, a QB that really did not work out. I mean, I know we would have liked CJ to be better and beat Michigan and throw for forty-five or fifty touchdowns, but he's a fine quarterback. He's he's a top two or three quarterback in college football this year, and one of the better throwers we've ever seen at Ohio State. But how long has it been since we've had a dud and just the little bit of nervousness because we don't seem to be hearing as much about Devin Brown or Kyle McCord as we did with CJ. There seemed to be a, not a guarantee, but a lot of positive vibes that CJ would definitely be a really good starting quarterback when he got the job. And I don't think we're hearing that as much about either Devin or Kyle McCord and we know that there's a transfer portal that's wide open in college football as well. And so it, it leads you to wonder. But, I mean, you got to go back. I mean, who do you have to go back to? Zwick, possibly, or Bowserman for the last dud of a QB at Ohio State? I would say, yeah, Todd Beckman was Beckman? okay. Beckman? Yeah. There was that yeah. Penn State. Yeah, I mean, he was good. He just – came out that year and didn't play well against USC and they turned the ball over to Terrell Pryor, which makes sense. Uh, I mean, the year before that, after he beat Penn state, they were talking about him for the Heisman. He didn't make it, but you know, so yeah, maybe even before that, maybe to, like you said, Bowserman or Zwick. Um, yeah. I do think you've got two good ones in Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, and you've got Dylan Raiola in the pipeline coming here. Yes. Not too far from. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to have Bill Curlick hopefully on here after you. And I'm going to talk to him about their quarterback recruiting because they don't have a 2023 commit right now. And uh, they certainly want to have somebody in there. But 
I think, you know, from what we've seen of Devin Brown or from what we've seen of Kyle McCord, I thought he looked good last year as a freshman when he started for CJ Stroud, only played a half and things that I've heard. You're right. It hasn't been talked about as much, but I think that's because CJ's just been so steady. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any issues down the pipeline. Uh, I'll just put it that way. I think they're, they're in good hands going forward. Yeah, I, I, I think too, like the, uh, what do you consider the line to be? Because we know that there there might be a chance that not every quarterback going forward here for Ryan Day is going to be going after 40 touchdown pass seasons, you know? It yeah. could it could look a little bit different. I mean, you you can talk me into a number of different ways to win football games. And if it looks a little bit more like how Georgia is doing it, and that proves to be the better recipe to win more national championships with a stingier defense as opposed to just big numbers from the quarterback. Like those big numbers could be spread about over multiple running backs, right? I mean, I know that's just that's a little bit of a shift from the way that we're seeing it right now with the wide receiver talent. But I wonder how that always how that would always look. Like we we are in this mode where 40 to 50 touchdown passes is the expectation. And and that's a big ask. And CJ hadn't hit that yet this year after doing it last season. And, you know, what did Justin Fields do? 41 touchdown passes with three picks. And then he added 10 rushing touchdowns in that season. I mean, 51 touchdowns. It's, it's, it's incredible what these guys are doing as Ohio State quarterbacks. So you just, you almost have to brace yourself that you could have a good quarterback. And that might be, you know, 27 touchdowns, you know, I, I feel like 25 touchdowns is the bare minimum, you know, with, with the talent that you have and the receivers, that's the minimum. And then if you limit turnovers and if you provide a great threat to run and it's a balanced offense, you got a couple of great running backs and you're running the ball like, like a wild man back there, then, then that would be fine with me. But you, you just wonder what it's going to look like from year to year. Yeah. I mean, I think if you keep Ryan day and you keep Brian Hartline, I can't imagine it changing too much, right? Because one is the head coach who's a quarterback by nature and the other is bringing in top wide receivers. So, you know, unless you really miss on a quarterback and you don't have a backup that you can trust to go into the game, because that's the thing. I mean, look at Clemson when, you know, as soon as the quarterbacks stopped being elite year after year after year, um, you know, they, they fell off the map under DJ Ungogolai. Uh, so, you know, they haven't been the same program. I think if you're Ohio State, you have a little bit more assurance there with some of the other offensive pieces. But you're right. The defense, we saw it be better this year, but it's not Georgia-level defense. I mean, even statistically. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is kind of the the way that you're going to be with, with those guys that I mentioned here. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you can win national championships that way. But you do need both sides of the ball playing well Need in the big games, which – has been the difference for Ohio state these last two years and they're going to get a shot. They, they still um, are in the playoff this year. Let's not, I think people keep forgetting that when they're, you know, that Michigan game still is such a bitter taste in people's mouths that I think being in the playoff hasn't been as exciting as maybe it should. Do do you get that sense? I, well, it's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, let me, let me tell you that to come from where you were, Losing that game to Michigan, there's a little bit of a, I mean, I, there, it, there's going to continue to be a little bit of a letdown when we discuss that team up north, you know, because you've lost two straight games to them. But the idea is that 
that you're still competing for a national championship. It's it's an extra jolt to the end of this college football season. How could you disagree? And the fact that if you are going to possibly face Michigan, you will have beaten a 13-0 defending national champion. And we've talked about this before. How could you not gain a bunch of confidence as a team? Like, there's no way you're going to beat Georgia and then not think that you will beat Michigan after it, you know? So, you know, they're going to – the coaches and the players, they will be a confident bunch. And you just hope that 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 is true confidence. That doesn't allow them to – if they do beat Georgia, that that confidence that fills up inside them doesn't take away from their focus and everything that they have to do to go out there and and execute and win the game. Because the rah-rah stuff, the being passionate and all that, that's good – but then there comes a point where you have to settle down and then execute and get to the task at hand and make sure that you script it better, coach it better, and follow through better than that last game, or else that would be that would be a, a huge disaster, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm going to get into some of the the Ohio State Georgia stuff once you get out of here. But uh, oh, let me yeah. Let me leave you, let me leave you with this because the one thing that I'm curious about that I mentioned maybe a time or two in the last month is I some I stumbled on the clip from last year where Aiden Hutchinson was giving his speech or doing his interview with those guys on stage, and CJ of course was there and they're all dressed to the nines like you do for this thing and and Desmond Howard steps in with that just horrible line to. Uh, to CJ about not getting the protection from uh, his offensive line or whatever. Cause Aiden said something about, you know, we wanted to, you know, win the division and beat that, you know, beat Ohio state obviously. And then the guy's like, Oh, you know, trying to like drum it up and make something more out of it. It's just a dude talking about his season. I just wonder what, if anything, Desmond Howard is going to say or do up there to rub it in again to CJ. And I, I feel bad about that. I wonder if he'll, have any response or I don't know it's, it's like the thing that I'm looking for tonight is did you see Desmond on Twitter uh kind of defending that whole thing this week you mean last year or this week he was on Twitter it came up and he quote tweeted somebody talking about it and then he went back and forth with a number of people Steve Hellwagon my colleague uh was, really? it, was on it. yeah if you go back through Desmond's Twitter feed it was a little within the last couple of days came up oh. and it, basically he said, you know, he's talked to CJ. They're cool. It was just some fun type of thing. And, and obviously well, Ohio state people got after him pretty good on there. And um, yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen that on Twitter, go back, find Desmond's tweet. It's, it won't be hard to find. It's just a couple of days old, but it's yeah, fine I, that you and CJ are good, Desmond. Like, I can appreciate that. I'm sure you you could be, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that it was in poor taste to put him on the spot like that on national TV when it's a night to have your moment and you had to put him down like that in front of everybody. Like, you had the power yeah. in that situation. That, it was just a shitty thing to do. I, I agree. I Not the time. If you want to make Michigan jokes, there are other places to do that, um, you know. But Desmond is Desmond, and, you know, I don't dislike as much as people do, but I did not think that that was the right situation for those things. Good to bring that up, though, because, yeah, that was, a, that was a weird one. I remember sitting in the, the room that they have a sit-in, because we're not actually at the ceremony when we cover this thing, watching on TV just like everyone else does. And they're pumping the sound in, and, like, there was this just, 
kind of moment when he said that. So, I know. Yeah. I know. I got to go, Pat. I got to I got to pick the kid up from school here. Kids are ruining all my plans today. I was going to have Brandon Beam on, him and his wife, who are expecting, had a doctor's appointment. Yeah. We were going to talk World Cup soccer instead of football. Yeah. So I guess people probably are happy that he didn't come on. But That pesky um, fetus, Pat, you got to take care of it. All right. All right. Thanks, Timmy. I appreciate it. Yeah. You're a loyal, happy hour attendee. See you, buddy. All right. See you later. And that was Timmy Hall, who, as you guys know, if you've been paying attention to the show, one of my good friends, someone who I think does a great job uh, on the fan, and, and it's been great helping helping out here. I want to go back to the Heisman just because we did get done with interviews here just a little bit ago and touch on just kind of some things that stood out to me. Um I think it's interesting. I asked CJ Stroud about last year with Aiden Hutchinson being there this year with Stetson Bennett, George's quarterback being there. You know, how do those interactions go when you know you just played a guy in a huge game like Aiden Hutchinson and got beat. This year you're playing Stetson Bennett, the number one team in the quarterback, the number one team in the country, and you're playing that in the big game of the season, college football playoff semifinal, a chance to play in the national championship on the line. And he said you know, we're just people, man. I mean, that's, I think that's almost verbatim what he said to me. He was like, that stuff doesn't come up. You know, he was like, I was cool with Aiden. He's like, I don't really know Stetson. We've only been together for a little bit here. So they just got into New York this afternoon, but you know, they, everything was cool. And, and I do think that there's this sense from fans that there's just this always tension, especially Ohio State, Michigan. And I think there certainly is some of that, but it, it was interesting to me that CJ, you know, we're just, we're just guys. And, and then I asked Stetson Bennett about CJ Stroud and, you know, he said he hasn't watched a ton of him just because he's been focused on, on Georgia and the SEC, but they talked about what an accurate passer he was and the way he can just put the ball where the receiver needs to catch the ball to be able to then gain more yards, something that he admires about CJ's game. Um, let's remember Stetson Bennett is a former walk-on quarterback who is now a national champion and has a chance to win another one. So an interesting dynamic between those two quarterbacks that are going to face each other. Uh, Talked to Caleb Williams a little bit too. He was asked about CJ Stroud, who he said he's met a couple of times, including at a camp last summer that they were at out in Southern California. And you know, just talked about what, what CJ's able to do as a passer as well. So from his colleagues, from the guys that are also Heisman Trophy finalists this year, a lot of respect for C.J. Stroud. And obviously those guys aren't going to get up there and say anything that, you know, is, is going to grab headlines, especially up against C.J. Stroud. But I, you know, I get the sense that Caleb Williams and Stroud have, have some of a friendship, um, especially now Caleb Williams being at USC, basically in the backyard of, of where C.J. Stroud is from. Uh, so interesting just kind of perspective on how these guys all view each other because they are people. And I think we kind of forget that at some point in time. Um, Speaking of this college football playoff matchup, I do think, and I said this to Timmy earlier, I do think that the fact that the Buckeyes are back in the playoff, obviously didn't make it last year. Some of the like shine of that has, has come off. I I say this talking to, you know, people on our boards, uh, people on social media and, and even friends of mine that are Buckeye fans, just the, I think people forget that Ohio State, as of just a few weeks ago, was the team everyone was talking about as the only team that could could hang with Georgia, could possibly beat Georgia, 
clearly the number one or the number two team in the country and you lose to Michigan and obviously that has an effect on it no doubt about it but there's also a part of it that you have to realize is it's fourth quarter it's a four point game against Michigan yeah you let the game get out of hand you, you let it get out of hand quickly and, and that has to be taken into account but you know as, as bad as that final score was if Ohio State scores touchdowns instead of kicking field goals in the first half, Ohio State finishes drives in the first half, that may be a blowout the other way. Um, you know, you, you can look at it a number of different ways. I just think it, it's important when you're when you're thinking of this college football playoff game because it is such a big game to remember that that this is still very good. And, and you know, I haven't fully broken down Georgia. I haven't made any sort of prediction on on that game at this point in time, but I do think that, that there's this thought that Ohio State has become this, you know, they backdoored their way into the playoff, but, you know, maybe a little bit undeserving of – I don't think that's true at all. This, this in my mind, is still the, the second most talented, maybe third most talented. Alabama probably should be in that conversation too, even though they didn't, um, you know, make the playoff. But you, you have the second or third most talented roster in the country going up against another top three talented roster I think uh, that should be a good football game I don't expect unless when I go back and really watch Georgia I see things that I didn't see when I watched them throughout the season I don't expect that I will even if I do pick Georgia to win I, I can't imagine it being some sort of blowout and I think a lot of people think that um, you know especially nationally maybe not Buckeye fans but I still think this Ohio State team is really good and you give them a month to get healthy almost a month to get healthy almost a month to game plan differently and you hope that Ryan Day looks at the film and, and you know evaluates his own play calling, and Jim Knowles does the same on the defensive side of the. Ball. I think that it's. I think you know. I, I like Buckeyes get this shot, and I like your number four seed now, and you're playing the number one team because you're gonna you're gonna go after them. If you were playing TCU, if if things had gone differently, and Ohio State beat Michigan, I still think they probably win. But I think just kind of motivation is a little different. Anyway, we're gonna flip the switch. We've got early signing periods started, so I wanted to talk some recruiting, which is something that I don't do a ton of, uh, but we have a guy who does in Bill Kerlick. Bill, thanks for joining the happy hour. How are you doing today? Doing okay. How are you, Pat? Good. Did you get a refrigerator? Question number one. <laughs> Not yet, unfortunately. Backstory here. We were originally going to do this at noon. Travel plans of mine uh changed that to get getting out to new york and bill calls me and says well our refrigerator broke and we have to go get a new refrigerator we've got water all over the floor so actually we got better so i'm glad it worked out i hope the refrigerator things uh figure themselves out but uh, let's talk about out. better all right good good let's let's talk book out recruiting because that's probably not as stressful as uh buying a new refrigerator one thing that just before you came on Tim Hall and I were about future at quarterback for Ohio State. And obviously, you've got Kyle McCormick, Devin Brown. You've got Dylan Raiola coming. Where do the Buckeyes stand in terms of a 2023 quarterback? I know there was a commitment. There's not a commitment. There is at least one person that they're interested in. What what can you tell us about the possibility next, next guy in the pipeline? Well, the guy right now would be uh, Lincoln Kineholtz from uh, the great state of South Dakota, um, Pierre Riggs High School. I'm certainly uh, 
sure that most of Buckeye Nation is well aware of the all high schools in South Dakota. Uh, not exactly your typical place for Ohio State recruit to recruit, but this kid's a really good one. I mean, he uh, uh, led his team to a state championship this year. Uh, not the first time he's won a state championship, but um, had a great season, 12-0. and 0. Uh, is committed still to Washington at this point, but I State's working on him. Uh, he made an official visit for the Michigan game. That went well, well enough that uh, High State is still in the running to flip him from Washington. Corey Dennis was visiting with him yesterday on Thursday, and um, uh, Lincoln's going to have to make a decision. Does he want to stay with Washington, or does he want to flip to Ohio State? Um, really, you don't know what, which way that's going to go right now. I'm not – sure that Lincoln knows what he's going to do for sure at this point. I think he's still contemplating both options and, um, um, you know, he'll, he'll maybe come to a decision before the start of the early signing period, but that's, even that's not a given. He's thinking um, he would like to uh, decide and sign in the early signing period, but he's not going to be an early grad. So he doesn't have to do that. Um if he's not sure, he'll he'll carry it on. So we'll see. So this isn't the case of Ohio State just finding a quarterback to fill a class. This is a kid who you think could could come in here and eventually play and and perform. Correct. Yeah. I'm reading you. Yeah. yeah, he's okay. uh, he'll come in to compete. I mean, uh, if he does become a Buckeye, uh, he'll have a legitimate chance to at some point be the Buckeye starting quarterback. He's not just a body out there, so to speak, whatsoever. Um, they really do need to get a quarterback either um, via scholarship 2023 guy or the transfer portal. Um, they, they really do need to get another quarterback. I think we all fully expect, uh, we know pretty much, I think, that C.J. Stroud's not coming back to Ohio State next year. Yeah. Uh, that would leave Kyle McCord and, and of course, uh, Devin Brown to battle it out. And you really need to have three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster minimum. So uh, we'll see what happens. And even if uh, Lincoln Kineholds would flip to Ohio State, I think they would still try to get another guy for the roster. It might not necessarily be – maybe it's a preferred walk-on. Maybe it's a, a, a transfer portal guy. But I think they would even then uh, – perhaps like to get another guy for the roster. I was going to ask if there was a possibility that they do look in the portal for a quarterback. What would be what, in your, in your mind, what are they looking for there? Because as you said, they do have two guys they're confident in and Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are they looking for, you know, a, a guy that can just come in a body in that sense, or do they think they need a, a third guy to really come in and compete if they were to hit the portal? I think they, they want a guy that could play. I mean, you know, if uh, if your starter gets injured, and that certainly can't happen, um, and you're down to one guy, you know, you're in trouble. I mean, you are then, if the starter's out, you're a sprained ankle away from going with who knows who if you don't have a scholarship quarterback on the roster. So three scholarship-type quarterbacks with that kind of ability to be a scholarship guy on the roster, very, very important. Well, it worked out for Georgia and Stetson Bennett, so you know maybe that that's the way to go. Former walk-on quarterback leaves the program, comes back, win a national championship. It seems pretty simple formula to me. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for spots in the, the upcoming class that are still up for grabs, I know defensive end is one that everyone's very interested in. I know there's a, a handful of guys that, that could fill that role um, in this class of the sort of big three. And then I know Joshua Mickens is also in there, but not necessarily in the same mold. What is your re kind of situation at that position? Well, I, I still, I continue to feel confident that um, Joshua Mickens will be a Buckeye. You know, he hasn't committed yet. He, um, uh, certainly though, you know, I just continue to feel good that he's going to end up at Ohio state. He's an Indiana kid. Uh, obviously Ohio state is relatively close to home, big time football. He's capable of playing at the Ohio state level. He's a very good player. And he, um, would come in if he does in the Jack position, um, that, you know, you see, uh, Jack Sawyer out there, no pun intended. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that same position is what Joshua Mickens would be looking at. Now, they do still have the defensive ends. Keon Keeley, I've said for quite some time, I, I really think that that ship has sailed. I expect him to end up at Alabama. Uh, Mateo Uyungale came out yesterday with his uh, three schools that he's going to move forward. It's kind of his final three. Ohio State's on that list, Ohio State, USC, and Oregon. At one point, I really felt like Ohio State had the slight lead. I don't know now. I, I, he's he keeps things so well guarded. He does not say a lot about that. Um, you know, I, I think Ohio State is still in the mix, but I think it's it's not going to be easy. Obviously, USC has had a really good season. You know, much better than they've had recently. Uh, that is certainly close to home for him. Uh, Oregon is not too far from home for him. And then you've got Ohio State. So I don't count the Buckeyes out there. I just certainly would not be ready to crystal ball him to Ohio State. Uh, then you've got Damon Wilson. Uh, both Georgia and Ohio State made their home visits the last few days. Uh, Ryan Day made his home visit. You know, there's a lot of pessimism on the Ohio State side of things. It seems that he's not going to end up at Ohio State. And, and I will totally agree. This has been trending Georgia. But I'm not ready to on that one quite yet. Uh, the NIL is a factor there, as it always is. You know, Ohio State is not going to go and lay down a, a million-dollar NIL offer to him. But uh, from the early, from when he visited Ohio State, Ohio State has presented a good situation uh, for him, you know, NIL-wise down the road. You know, Georgia you know, they've trended and they can come in and they, you know, it seems like they have topped that situation. Could Ohio state somehow figure out a way to change that thinking? You know, I'm not ruling it out yet. Let's just say that, that, uh, uh, you know, they really want him. And until I firmly feel that they're not going to get him, I'm just not ruling that out for Ohio state. You mentioned the NIL there, and that's been a topic the last couple of days. Gene Smith put out a kind of call to action to, to people to donate to the collectives. Ohio State, if, if you haven't paid attention to this, people who are listening, watching, Ohio State is, is trying to play by these rules that they think are going to exist. And right now there's just no rules with NIL and school getting away with a lot of things that, that Ohio State, from my understanding, who's as scary, uh, still kind of dirty, 
So in Bill, in your mind, how big of a deal has NIL become these last two years in recruiting? Obviously, Ohio State's still recruiting at a high level, but it seems like we're hearing more about the in past years probably would have been Buckeyes, but now are looking at schools that are are willing to push the limits with the NIL. Am I reading that right? Yeah, I think, you know, it really depends on as far as how big a deal, it depends on the individual player. You know, okay. Ohio State's got a lot of great great players in the last couple of recruiting classes uh, with the NIL as it is now. They still got a lot of great players. Um, what I kind of, you know, you mentioned the rules and, and that's the big problem. There really aren't any rules that are, exactly. you know, being set down and then enforced by the NCAA. And that's the problem. You know, I, I talked to college coaches and, and they're just begging, so to speak, give us the rules that we can all play by the same rules. And, pessimistically, I have to say, I don't think that that's necessarily coming in the next year or so. I don't know that the NCAA is going to do that. I've I've, had, I've not had a college coach tell me they feel confident the NCAA is going to do it. They just want the, that to happen. Um, so, so we'll see. You know, I <laughs> you can get players without uh, putting down that type of a deal or whatever. It's just more difficult. Uh, I posted on our message board this, this afternoon. I could name two kids um, in the last couple of weeks that recruiters spent a lot of time recruiting them and they had committed to a certain school. And then all of a sudden a, a big NIL deal is put down in front of them and they flip. And that's, you know, that's tough to live by if you're a recruiter. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I just wish they would get something that everyone could live by and make this fair. And I'm not sure that all these big money deals, uh, you know, are, are going to turn out to be what these kids think they are necessarily, yeah. nor uh, Texas A&M. We know what happened with their uh, supposedly bought recruiting class. Well, things have kind of fallen apart there. So, you know, we'll kind of see what happens as things move on here. You mentioned the Texas A&M, and that's where I was going to go next because it kind of leads into the transfer portal era as well. And a lot of these Texas A&M freshmen have either already entered the transfer portal or a lot of people think they're going to. You're seeing it across the country. Uh, Kids are – the transfer portal, I think, in the first day that it was technically open – had over 350 kids before noon, I think, and that was just FBS level. When you look at the transfer portal and how it's changed recruiting from Ohio State's perspective, I know Ryan Day has been very adamant that they will still recruit high school kids, and that is the primary focus. But do you see any – obviously, Ohio State's used the transfer portal in great effect. Do you see Ohio State using it more when you see successes of programs like you know, Alabama has used it really well. USC has turned their entire program around in one year. Does Ohio State need to use the transfer portal more? Will they use transfer portal more in your mind? I don't think there's going to be a big change. I think they'll uh, maybe a little more aggressively look at it, but I don't think there's going to be a big change. Um, Ohio State's got a talented roster. And one you've got to – to bring somebody in that's going to really help that roster, that player's got to be really good. And in those cases, the kid already has a pretty good situation most most of the time. He's already a, 
an established starter at a very good uh, high level. And you know, how many offensive linemen are out there, for instance, in the portal right now that are truly capable of coming in and starting for Ohio State? Not a lot of them. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of kids are finding that it's the grass isn't always greener on the other side. If you look at it, a lot of these kids don't go somewhere and have the impact that they think they were going, they thought they were going to have when they got into the portal. Um, you know, over a thousand kids were in that portal on the first day, by the end of the first day, well over a thousand. And a lot of those kids are going to end up going down to a lesser school or even a lesser level. They may, some of them are going to have to go down to the division two level, for instance. So I think as time goes on and I know some kids that got in the portal, went to a new school and they have let kids at their old school know, Hey, I'd be cautious about doing this. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Sure. And I think from a fan perspective, I was just going to say for every Justin Fields out there, that got in the transfer portal and and immediately it was a big time, you know, player that high state got or a Jonah Jackson a number of years ago started right away. For every one of those guys, there's a couple a number of them that don't have that kind of success. I think it's important to, you know, from a fan perspective, look, everyone's always interested in in the new freshman, right? The new, that's what it used to be. the, The star freshman coming in, everyone was excited about that guy. Because he's new. It's it's something you haven't seen before. Even the talented players on the current roster are guys you've seen and you know what to expect. And so the transfer portal just enhances that from a fan perspective. I also think it's important to point out N Day is very much and his staff are very much about the right fit for their culture. And oftentimes guys that enter the transfer portal, it there's more than just, hey, there was a better guy in front of you, but you're still really good. there's there were probably some reason why that kid was playing at their own school. So doing your homework on the kid to make sure it's a right fit is as important as, as anything, just like they do in recruiting. But, you know, you have a little bit more time to mold uh, a kid coming out of high school. But I still think it's important for what Ohio State wants to do going forward. So I guess my qu- next question to you would be, where, if anywhere, do you see Ohio State tapping into the portal position-wise? Well, before I answer that, I want to kind of take a step slightly back. Um, you know, there were two kids that came up in the portal recently, well, last few days, that high State fans were clamoring, you know, hey, high State's going to go after this kid or that kid. You know, they were involved with that this or that kid um, uh, when they were in high school. Well, High State did did not go after those kids. They, you know, now that they're in the portal, they said, no, thanks. They're not going after those kids. Now, you know, there's some that they're interested in. Sure. I mean, we we know uh, that they've been interested in the cornerback, Fentrell Cypress, who's at Virginia. They have had some interest in Desan McCullough. But other kids, they've kind of passed on them and said, we're not we're not going to do that, that we don't think that is the right fit or is kids good enough to start here or whatever, but they're not going to go in that direction. So, um, you know, not just because somebody is may maybe quote a big time kid, high estate may not go after that kid. And in most cases, they're not going to go after these guys. Again, they've got a talented roster and they don't have a lot of open spots. Uh, they've got, 
19 commitments. So there's 19 spots being taken up off the roster. So there's just not a lot of open spots. And they're trying really, really hard, and they've done a good job of it, of keeping the guys on the roster at Ohio State and out of that portal, so to speak. Yeah, I know that's obviously a focus of, of the staff this offseason. Um, they did have some guys leave last year. They've already had a couple guys enter the portal so far this season. Obviously, things are a little different this season. You're going to the college ball playoff. Guys want to be a part of that. But, um, yeah, keeping the guy – you always have to recruit these kids, right? Uh, the kids that aren't your regular starters to, to stay at Ohio State. Is that how it, it's working essentially? Yeah, and, and you know what? Um, those guys leave. Um, it can create a depth problem. You know, High State yeah. lost, I believe, three defensive backs to the portal yeah. last year, and they had some depth issues there. Um, so, yeah, and then like you mentioned, Pat, part of the thing is just keeping your roster together. You've almost got to, as you put it, re-recruit them. You've got to make sure that they want to stay and, and feel like there are – uh, welcome and feel like they are needed. You know, they, high state doesn't want these guys to just walk out the door, so to speak. Right. Yeah. I mean, you spend so much time recruiting a kid, then developing a kid, you know, yes, maybe it doesn't go exactly as that kid envisioned it coming to high school, but you don't want that effort to go to waste. I mean, I see him do some things at other schools and obviously there are certain situations. It makes sense for a player to move on. Um, and you know, Ohio state, I think is, is perfectly happy with, with some of them, but I think also, you know, you, you put this much time in a kid, you want to see him flourish in your own program. There's the Joe Burrows of the world where I think Ohio state was pretty happy with what worked out for them with Dwayne Haskins and then Justin Fields. And they were glad to see Joe excel at LSU, but there are other guys that, that maybe that's not the right situation. They would have liked them to stay. I think is, is the big thing. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you is any names, people, aside from people we've already mentioned, um, guys that people should be keeping an eye on for maybe some last minute um, you know, decisions or, or flip sort of things before we kick off what essentially is now new national signing day, the start of the early signing period. Well, I don't think there's a, a lot of that type of drama right now, but recruiting, <laughs> it can change overnight quickly. Um, but right now, I don't think there's, a, you know, Jermaine Matthews, I had been saying on our site that uh, I didn't, there was a, so much talk about him in Miami, and I kept saying that's that's not uh, the direction this is going. Um, and sure enough, last night, he came out and reaffirmed, as he put it, he's 1,000% locked in. Uh, Kay and Lee is a guy that there's been some talk of, but and Auburn is recruiting him. They are definitely recruiting him, and they, uh, the NIL is a factor there. But uh, I feel I've said for a while, I, you know, I tend to think he's going to stay with his Ohio State commitment, and as of right now, I still feel that way, um, that uh, he likely will. Um but he's one that certainly there's been a lot of conjecture over. Uh, Noah Rogers uh, is another one. He um, he did stop by North Carolina State last Saturday with a couple of his buddies, teammates, that type of thing, who are committed there. 
but I still feel like uh, I feel confident that he is going to sign with Ohio State and Jelani Thurman, same way. I feel confident about him. So, you know, I think all that stuff generally looks pretty good uh, as far as guys that uh, they they could flip. Uh, Kineholtz is the main guy right now that to, to be concerned with. It doesn't mean somebody won't pop up in the next uh, few days that they try to flip or whatever, but he's the main flip guy right now that, uh, that we're looking at. All right, Bill. Thanks a ton. We don't do a ton of recruiting talk on the Bucknuts Happy Hour, but I think with everything going on with early signing period starting here, it was a good time to get you in here for the happy hour. So I hope your refrigerator hunting goes well, <laughs> and uh, I, I appreciate you taking some time to talk with us. Uh, you're welcome, Pat. Thanks for having me on. Always my pleasure, and keep on doing the great job you do. All right. Thanks, Bill. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care. That was Bill Kerlick, our 247 Sports Bucknuts, Ohio State recruiting expert. If uh, you're not familiar with Bill's work, he's been doing it, I want to say, longer than anyone in the business. I won't say that sure because I don't want to be wrong, but I can't think of anyone who's covering Ohio State recruiting longer. Bill has stories about an old uh, 800 number that, that people used to pay to call into and he would leave information on Ohio State recruiting. So uh, a lot of people do a great job covering Ohio recruiting. Just don't know if anyone's done it as long as Bill. And he does a great job for us. If this is something you're interested in more, if, if you haven't done it, become a Bucknut subscriber. Bill, Bill has constant updates, not only stories and whatnot and talking to kids, but He's very active on our message board. So if recruiting something you're interested in, I recommend it, um, you know, the, the Bucknuts subscription, which you, the full 247 sports subscription. Anyway, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm here in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony, which will take place on Saturday night. We don't expect CJ Stroud to win, but he is the first ever Ohio State player to go to two Heisman ceremonies. Um, as a finalist, they didn't do that this way when, when Archie won back-to-back Heisman trophies, obviously. So I will have tons of coverage of this stuff. I've, I've already, as I mentioned earlier, interviewed some of these guys that were for it, and we'll have content coming up on Bucknuts here shortly. We'll have videos from some of the guys if, if you're interested in hearing what they had to say today. And then obviously tomorrow there, there will be tons of stuff as well. So stay tuned to Bucknuts next week. We'll probably do the happy hour again later in the week. We're supposed to have interviews with Ohio State players and Ryan Day next week. We did not get any more beyond the last Sunday um, from, from the Buckeyes. I believe it's finals week over at Ohio State, so a busy time. But plenty of coverage. Stay tuned. We were going to talk some Ohio State basketball with Timmy Hall. They had another big win last night, first 10 win against at Rutgers. We'll do that at some point. We'll, we'll dive in once football comes down. But thanks again, everybody who watched this live. Thanks for those of you who are listening to this after the fact in the podcast version. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It does us well. And um, to all you Buckeye fans out there, cheers.